Hello and welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I am the host of this podcast and I'm the founder of NC Real Estate, which is a firm of surveyors that specializes in asset management. We help our clients through a members club whereby we work with property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. Firstly, can I say to all of you, oh my gosh, you listening right now, thank you for your feedback, your support for this podcast this year. I am so grateful for you being here, listening to me, getting involved in the conversation. Last week, as you knew or you saw, we I had the members club open for the last time this year. And the comments that I was getting about the podcast was just phenomenal. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I honestly mean that from the bottom of my heart. I cannot thank you enough. Oh gosh, I'm so excited. It's the end of the year as well. We're now winding down till Christmas. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we are in December. What a month November was. It seemed to just fly by. I went from finding finance to go under, under offer on a property, to getting all of that emotion, to being here right now where we've been told that we're completing on that property on the 14th of December. So I'm super excited. I'm really looking forward to getting that uh, decorated and refurbished and looking beautiful. I know, I saw some comments on my video on YouTube where people were saying, why would you be doing Airbnb at the moment? Do you know what? Because I think it is a good idea. Now, it's not going to go on the Airbnb market immediately. Um, It will be a couple of months until we know where we're going. We're going to be in it for a couple of months, test it out, see what we like, because we're really designing Airbnb around us because we use Airbnb all the time. You know we don't live in one country permanently. And when we decide we're moving locations, we go live in Airbnbs for a while. We test the water, we see if we like it. And then if we want to settle permanently, we do. So we're creating this Airbnb for people in similar situations to us. Because I imagine as working from home becomes far more normal, people are going to want to do the same, especially because we now have the vaccine coming out. And so people want to travel, people want to see new places. And the place we're in right now is honestly beautiful. What is it? It's the 4th of December at the time that I'm recording. It's at 25 degrees. At lunchtime, I went and walked around the county park um, with Summer, my dog, and I was just outside and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is just glorious. Now, not being like that all week, beginning of the week, it was freezing cold and the heating in this place decided to break. But it's back up and running now. In fact, if you can hear a little bit of banging from behind me, kind of way off in the ether, uh, that is the uh, air conditioning contractor trying to work their magic on the heating. So do excuse that if you can hear that. So yeah, I think we're going to be setting up something very, very special. After this podcast, I'm actually going to go and meet the designer and the decorator, and we're going to go through all of that and what it's going to look like going forward. So super excited. I really enjoy getting involved in a project. Yes, it is my favorite. So this week, I wanted to discuss something with you about why we need to be super innovative in the industry right now. And I titled this podcast, How to Deal with the Empty Debenhams Units. If you didn't see it this week, the talks with JD Sports or the owner of JD Sports buying Debenhams 
completely fell apart with the news that top shops, Arcadia, so Arcadia has Burton, they have Dorothy Perkins, they have Miss Selfridge, filed for bankruptcy protection. So that was last Monday on the 30th of November. That means they pretty much won't be trading anymore. They have plans now to shut down. Well, if they shut down, there's going to be no concessions in Debenhams because Debenhams do have the... uh, their concessions are pretty much Arcadia tenants, right? That's what was going on with that. And so the deal with Debenhams fell over, which means that Debenhams are going to shut down going forward. It's sad. It's really, really sad because Debenhams have long been a staple of the UK high street. They have 124 stores across the UK. They obviously have their online store and they have around about 12,000 employees. They are a big, big retailer. This is going to cause huge devastation across the high street. Debenhams have typically been an anchor unit. An anchor unit means that they are the big tenant who comes in and all the little tenants around them uh, come in because they know that Debenhams is there. People want to go into People are going to want to shop in Debenhams. So they position themselves nearby, hoping to catch some of the footfall from these big units. You will know then that Debenhams have kind of prominent positions. So they will either be in the centre of big shopping streets, or if you go to the likes of Westfield or big shopping malls, you will see them positioned in corner units over a number of floors. Again, that is for footfall reasons. They are making sure that there is a good flow to their unit. And of course, as I've just said, the other tenants traditionally benefited from a big store like Demons holding up the anchor position in a shopping centre or in a high street. The other thing is that, of course, because they are such big, big, big stores, they are paying a huge amount of rent huge amount of rent. So landlords who typically would see Debenhams as a really strong covenant, and when I say strong covenant, a tenant with really good financial standing, landlords would be falling over themselves for Debenhams to come into their area. Look at Bath, for example, where they built Southgate, which is their bottom of town shopping area. They bent over backwards for Debenhams to take that big unit on the corner opposite the train station. Absolutely bent over backwards. I don't know what the lease terms were, but I can imagine that they gave them a huge amount of concessions to go in there. But that, I think, is uh, standard across the board. Wherever Debenhams came in, the landlords would have thought, yes, great tenant, they're going to stand the test of time big tenant, people want to use them, it's going to bring in other retail tenants, we'll give them a discount, probably give them a cap on the service charge, we'll make sure that they feel loved, we'll do whatever it takes to get Debenhams into our units. So landlords will have typically spent an awful lot of money on getting um, that tenant into their unit, quite rightly so. You do want strong covenant tenants who you think are going to stand the test of time. But in having strong covenant tenants, that often means that they didn't take deposits, they didn't take guarantors, there was no security in it for them. So this is going to hit landlords who have Debenhams in one of their units incredibly hard. Because the other thing is, is that Debenhams now 
has no money in the bank to do any dilapidations. So it's not as if someone from Debenhams or the Debenhams maintenance team is going to go in there and put this premises back into, you know, beautiful condition. No, they're not going to bother about that. They're just going to take all their stock out. The liquidators will take over. And when liquidators take over, guys, I cannot tell you how long it freaking takes to get everything sorted out. So the other problem for landlords of these units is, is once you get notice that a tenant has gone into liquidation, everything grinds to a halt. So you cannot forfeit the lease at that point. You have to leave it alone until the liquidators have been in there, taken out all of the assets, dealt with the lease, closed everything down. This takes months and months and months and months, if not years. Liquidators will also pay themselves first. So they will have an estimation of how much it's going to cost for all of their fees of closing this business down. They take that first out of anything that's left in the business. And then from there, they send out letters to everybody else who is owed something from the closure of that business. And they tell you how much pence and a pound you can claim, if anything. It is really, really bad. So these units will now stay empty whilst the liquidators go in and finish this up, right? It's not a pretty process. And as you know, when shops are empty for a long period of time, they have to be, uh, they have to have a lot of security over them. So they get boarded up or they get shuttered. It looks horrendous on high streets. It means that people don't really want to go near them, which creates that knock-on effect moving out. It's really not a good look, really, really not a good look. One of the things that I hope that happens from this is that that liquidation process happens really quickly. So at least landlords get their premises back because once they get their premises back, it's now time to be innovative. As we've seen, these big standard stores, Topshop, Dorothy Perkins, Burton's, Miss Selfridge, you know, Debenhams and their own clothesline, they're all going under, right? That's gone. And I think one of the big reasons for that is because there wasn't really anything that set them apart from clothes anywhere else. They were kind of that middle of the range, expensive. They didn't always used to be. I actually used to work in Dorothy Perkins way back in my teenage years. And Dorothy Perkins, yeah, used to be that kind of middle of the range quite actually quite cheap they were the place that you went um if you couldn't quite go into top shop when you were that kind of age they did really good basics um top shop was a bit more fashionable but again you know it's it pretty well priced burton catered for suits and jeans for men and they did all the basics as well top man was then that little bit more fashionable miss selfridge was even more fashionable but in a different kind of way so the brands all complemented each other but from that other retailers sprung up who did what Arcadia and their suite of brands under the Arcadia umbrella, these new retailers popped up and they did things better. You had Zara, H&M, River Island start to come through, although I don't think River Island's doing that well either. And they could do things that looked more high-end for a cheaper sum of money. I personally love going to Zara for a Zara haul, right? I couldn't, 
I can't get enough of Zara. When I get there, and I don't go often, but when I do go there, I pick everything up. I want to buy it. I think it's really, really, really good quality stuff. And then Zara stays in my cl closet for as long as I want it there for. That wasn't really the case with Topshop or uh, Dorothy Perkins. It didn't stick around for as long. And Debenhams then picked up all of these brands. They had the concessions in their stores. And so they were also trading off the fact of convenience. You know, if you come into our store, you get access to all of these brands, plus our own brands. There's coffee, there's food, you get the high-end brands like Ted Baker, you get, you get access to everything. And traditionally, that has been the way that people wanted to shop. But that's completely changed. And consumers are now more focused on either something that's really individual, so something that you're not going to get elsewhere, or they're more than happy to go and buy fast fashion online. The middle of the range market has completely changed. And with that, that's created a huge shift in the high street. And then COVID came and obviously it's just decimated it. So that being said, that's how kind of that's, that's fallen down. And it does make a huge case for retailers who sell clothes having to really up their game. Not a bad thing though, is it? That's really, really not a bad thing. But what I now want to turn to is that investment side of things. So what as landlords could we do? If we were in the position of owning a Debenham store, and I say this not because I'm expecting you all to have Debenham stores, I'm saying this because I want you to start thinking about how you would be innovative in your own units, because we're all going to have to be. The property industry is completely changing, but Debenhams is a prime example of uh, a sector of the property industry that has to change the quickest because big, big, big stores. Now, what we're going to see is a rise in turnover rents. I've heard this from so many different people. People keep saying to me, hey, Natasha, don't forget to mention turnover rents. Turnover rents are a good idea to help tenants. So you have your base rent, which is a percentage of market rent, and then anything above that is a percentage of your annual turnover. And that's how the rents are calculated. Within the lease, there's a mechanism for how you would look at those financial statements, and that is how the rent is calculated. Now, works really well for restaurants because restaurants tend to be pretty seasonal. Doesn't tend to work so well for the likes of nail salons, maybe fish and chip shops who tend to take a lot of cash in hand because that doesn't tend to go through the financial statements. So landlords would lose out a lot there. But tenants are really pushing for it because they're saying, hey, we're having a real bad time, real bad time. So why don't we pay you a percentage? You let us go and try and do our best and we'll give you a percentage of our turnover. And to a certain extent, the industry is saying, okay, well, why don't we just give this a go? Why don't we see how that goes? So with that in mind then, turnover rents give entry into taking a premises or they lower the barrier. They lower the barrier to entry to taking a premises is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> because there is less money for a tenant to have to pay on a monthly or quarterly basis which then means that a new startup who may know an area really, really well can think, 
hmm, okay. So I could go in here. At first, I'm not going to be making too much of a profit, but I'm, I'm aiming to increase my turnover, which every business wants to do. So I can pay a little bit of rent. And as I build, I pay more rent. Well, that is the same as taxes, right? That's how we pay our taxes. We don't start off by paying a huge amount of taxes, but as we grow, we do pay more tax. Now, some of you and the savvy of you who are listening to this will say, yeah, but as we grow and we can afford better accountants, we find ways to reduce our tax liability. Aha, and yes, tenants may do that too. And that is where the problem lies. I don't have an exact solution for you. So I just want to say that that could be a blind spot. That could be a blind spot of turnover rents, but that is a starting place. Now, what do we do with the units once we've got them empty? Well, the first thing, if you've seen, you could use it at the these big Debenhams have large warehouses. Somewhere they have storage for all of the clothes that weren't out on the shop floor. They have uh, areas for cafes. They have toilets throughout. So they're already really well configured for um, having other uses come in. So things that they could be used for, hubs, business hubs. As the need for offices starts to dwindle, businesses will look at hubs where staff and employees can come and get together, but they don't have to be there the whole time. I think Debenham stores would make really, really good use of this because you could have different floors or some Debenhams are you know, spread over one floor, some of those units are one floors, but they're divided up into areas. So my thought process with that was that you could put smaller hubs There'd already be cafes in there, so you could put another cafe in there for trading. There are a lot of small startup cafes who would love the opportunity to come into an office area and be able to serve all of the people that were in the office. So that would be one way of doing it. So you would sublet to a concession and they come in. I've seen that happen with bagel stores, coffee shops, sandwich shops. You know, for any of you who have been to a university student union and you see all the little concessions, that's exactly how that works. Some of the big universities are taking over these kind of spaces for their own hubs, for teaching, learning, you know, just breakout space so that there's not so many people confined to a small area. That could work really, really well too. Debenham stores traditionally centre of town. They wanted to be the focal point. So why not use that space? It's still a really good uh, location. It's just, hmm, maybe the use doesn't quite work. And we've got open user clauses at the moment, which goes back to the point, hurry up liquidators because the landlord's gonna want this back um, so that they can make use of that open user clause. The other thing I was thinking was a hotel. In Bath, I think that Debenhams unit would be prime location for a hotel. It's directly off opposite the station. There is so much eating and drinking around there and right in the heart of the shops, very close to the spa. I think that could work really, really well. Also, the Debenhams was in a very beautiful building. The only problem with that Debenhams is it doesn't get very good mobile reception. So just an FYI, they might need to sort that out. But that could work really well. Now, there are some older Debenhams stores. I'm looking at you, Bristol, and I love that Debenhams. I have the fondest of memories of my grandma in the Debenhams in Bristol. 
when she used to take her shopping there every year and we'd go up and down the escalators. It's just an iconic shop for me and brings back such great memories for, you know, weird, <laughs> weird and wonderful reasons. But grandma also used to love the restaurant on the top floor. And actually it was a very good restaurant, but it's in a really old building. That part of Bristol is, that shopping area is getting old. So could they knock it down and put something else in there? Um, I don't know. But that then leads me to the next point that the councils are going to have to work with landlords to change permitted development rights so that these properties can easily be converted. Now, one of the best ideas, I think, for these Debenham stores, and hear me out on this because I think it might be a little bit controversial, but imagine putting something like Spitalfields Market in them. I really think about this because I think that these big areas work really well when you've got the ability for open space. So maybe they could uh, bring up some of the walls, you know, on the ground floor or the ground and first floor and have market stalls, bring in entrepreneurs that are local to the area give them turnover rents, but also give them tax incentives. Local councils really need to do that. You know, these business grants that everybody's been getting from co through COVID, regardless of whether they were going to survive it, well, why isn't there those grants for people in the local area, so locals who want to bring their business to the local area? Why can't that be a thing? And what I'm, and what I'm thinking is curtain walls, where the walls can go up in the good weather and you can have airflow through and you can shop the concession stands but still if you go upstairs you've got you know toilets you've got cafe area and maybe a retailer might want to be up there as well that works really well in Spitalfields and I don't know why you couldn't recreate that elsewhere because it's such a beautiful environment um, that would not only make sense for entrepreneurs you would get businesses who would want to trade from there I absolutely love it when pre-COVID, I would find a great co-working space. And that co-working space would have a lovely cafe. It would be somewhere where I could sit. I don't necessarily have to be a member because I like to go to different places. Why can't there be things like that? And these are the sorts of things that we're going to be looking at. Now, other big, large uh, companies have made it work with these old stores. Zara, now when they're taking retail they take they take these bigger units and half of the store is for clothes and the traditional shop and then the other half is for warehouse online ordering and that would work really well i'm excited to see how that works going forward amazon are doing exactly the same and that's all well and good for these big outfits who can come in they've got the money to spend have huge negotiating power with landlords because landlords want them in they think they are great why don't we create spaces that are live, work, play? There's a huge thing from developers to have the upper floors, residential units. Great, you can still have that. But why don't the ground, the ground floor be, you know, market entrepreneurial space, the first floor be some working space? I think that could start working really well, especially because these units are, you know, they're prime position. That's what I would like to see. That's my hope. The minute you start creating buzz around these things, that ricochets out. 
more tenants have hope, more people want to come to the area. It's a destination again. And we need to be creating destinations, but destinations that are easy to get to. We shouldn't ignore the public transport needs. We shouldn't ignore the fact that we need really good housing to um, bring people into the area who want to live there. We should be looking at revitalizing our town centers. But no, they're not going to look the same. Definitely not. We want that community space, but that community space has to be uh, adaptable. It has to be adaptable to our needs because in five years time, this will all change again. So opening out the space, allowing it to be flexible, allowing flexible uses to come in and just give it a go, looking at turnover rents and looking for supporting local entrepreneurs. My gosh, if you get that together and you can be pushing for that, if you are a commercial landlord, start pushing for that kind of thing because you will start finding a lot of tenants who want to come and make use of your space. That's what I think we should do with these Debenhams units. It's terrible that so many people are losing their jobs. Absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. But there could be a good side. There could be spaces created where these people could have jobs again. We've just got to be innovative and we've got to think about it going forward. So I want to ask you, as a result of this question, of this podcast, what, what has it brought up for you? What innovative solutions would you bring to the high street? Get in contact with me via social media at Natasha C. Collins or leave a review. I want to hear what is it that you think should happen next because certainly the high street needs a shake-up. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope it's just been food for thought. That's all I hope that it's been and that you've listened with intrigue and I hope this high street gets better. I hope the British High Street makes a comeback. I don't hope it's the same. We need more innovation. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.